Snerdly actually reminded me of this in the break. When the Republicans won the House in 1994, they had their orientation at uh, uh, Camden Yards, the ballpark in Baltimore. And uh, I was invited to address the freshman class of the 1994 Republican Congressional Caucus. Uh, because those uh, those freshman members, uh, in, in large part, thought that I was responsible for their victory, given the program at the time and and uh, discussing their candidacies all over the country and so forth. And they made me an honorary member of the uh, freshman class of uh, 1994. This, uh, uh, actually 95, when they, when they were inaugurated. But they asked me to come down and make a speech to them. And I went down there to Camden Yards, and this was on C-SPAN. And I got up, and one of the things I said to them was, do not fall for the temptation that the media here in this town is happy that you won and they're happy that you're here. They are not. This is a Democrat-run town. It's a liberal-run town, and you have gotten in the way of the natural order of things. And as such, you are going to be treated accordingly. You're going to be continually be treated really as the minority. I said that the cameras and microphones are still going to seek out the Democrats for what they think is what's going on because the impression will be conveyed that they still run the town. Do not think that any media member that calls you up and wants to take you to lunch is doing it because they like you. And they're not doing it because they're making uh, interested in making you look good. And they're not, they don't want to get to know you so that they can publicize what it is you're working on in a favorable light. They want to sandbag you. Uh, you're going to have some of these uh, delicious little reporterettes and info babes. I said, Cokie Roberts is going to call you up. He's going to bat those big eyelashes at you. Uh, and a lot of other info, info babes are going to do the same thing. Cokie Roberts actually sent me a note after that when she heard about it. I said, let's go to lunch. <laughs> so bat the eyebrows at me. Uh, never did, although I, I met her later. Anyway, uh, I'm reminded of that when when I when I when I see what happened here. Uh, in in large part, what got Libby in trouble? Talking to reporters. Now the administration, the Republican administration, is caught between um, uh, a rock and a hard place here because uh, they have to talk to reporters. The administration cannot dissociate itself from the from the national media. They've got to talk to NBC. They've got to go on and meet the press. They have to talk to the New York Times. Uh, the problem is, I think, uh, looking at this in hindsight, is that many in Republican administrations think they can spin these people. They think they can turn them into friends, turn them into supporters. It is, it is one of the things that, and I guess, this is one of the reasons I don't want to work in that town and I don't want to spend too much time there because it's seductive and you get caught up in it. Uh, that town has many things. Of course, it's national capital. It's the uh, center of power. It's also a place largely defined by the social pecking order, and conservatives and Republicans are never, ever going to be high up in the social pecking order. Unless, of course, they're Supreme Court justices who turn lib, and then they'll get great puff pieces written about them in the Washington Post style section, and that's how the process begins of turning them. Uh, but uh, given all of that, why anybody in the administration would think that they're going to be dealt with fairly by media people that are out to undermine them, something I will never understand. Now, you can say whatever you want to say about Bill Clinton. 
But the one thing that you have to say about him and his wife is they are ruthless. And they will not put up with double-crossers. I'm not talking about the media now. Within their own administration, uh, they're not going to put up with people sandbagging them or undermining them. If, uh, if that happens, all hell is brought down on these people in a number of different ways, which is why there haven't been any Clinton tell-all books. It's why a guy like Sandy Burglar would risk his reputation in jail time to go in and do whatever he did in the National Archives to make sure that the Clinton administration ended up looking good when the 9-11 Commission started looking at uh, things that happened prior to 9-11. Uh, the, 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 this administration is not ruthless in any way. It doesn't punish or penalize people that uh, attempt to undermine it. Uh, and it, it, it seems to accept <clears throat> that you can talk to reporters from the Post and the New York Times and these networks and get a fair shake. As I say, you can't not talk to them. Uh, and, of course, when the Wilson story breaks and he writes this op-ed that's full of lies, uh, the administration says, well, we gotta, we got to refute this. And it was in the New York Times. So you start trying to refute the fact Cheney didn't send the guy, as he's saying, was the case, uh, which was a big thing. And that did come out in the trial. Uh, Wilson was trying to make it known to anybody the vice president's office sent him into jail. And they didn't. When he, when he comes back, writes his op-ed, they're all saying in the White House, who's this guy? They called the CIA. How'd this guy end up over there? We didn't do this. And that's when it was learned that Valerie Plame worked there, and Valerie Plame recommended her husband to go, and then you've got the political connections that those two have, and their, you know, whatever their political and ideological orientations are, and bam, oh, you've, you've got, a, you've got a, uh, a giant, you know, interagency game of sabotage going on here. Uh, this kind of thing was just not permitted in the Clinton White House. They just wouldn't put up with it. Nobody had the guts to even try it. Uh, but be, you, 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 when, you, when you have a desire to work with these people and try to spin them and convert them into, A, liking you. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care whether that's in politics or just in, in, in any avenue of personal life. If your prime objective is to make somebody like you, you've lost. That's not... Especially if they don't. And the, and the idea to try to turn them uh, and explain your way of things, I don't understand the naivete. These reporters show up for interviews, conversations with Republican officials, administration, congressmen, senators, with their stories already written. Their minds are already made up because they have a prejudice about what Republicans and conservatives are. And so the, the, whole, the whole point of, uh, of, of talking to members of the administration, or Republicans otherwise, is trip them up. And what happened here? Russert, Matt Cooper, Judith Miller, it's a bunch of journalists at the center of this and what Libby told them. And then the FBI and the grand jury and so forth. But, I mean, this juror that came out and talked said they had a lot of sympathy for Judith Miller. The, uh, the uh, New York Times info babe ended up in jail for not revealing her sources to Fitzgerald. Uh, juror said, well, I really felt sorry for her. The defense was just... Just pounding. It was un, it was it was just they were just too hard on her. Um, you don't hit the girl is one characteristic or aspect of that. But uh, until until people learn that uh, you know you 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 you're not going to be able to bring a bunch of reporters in from Washington or New York and explain conservatism or your policy and have a sympathetic ear or even an ear that wants to understand what you're trying to do, it's beyond me. And why they keep thinking they can do this uh, is also beyond me. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, what would you do? 
Well, you have to talk to them. I understand and a, a presidential administration has to talk to them. You have to do press conferences and and you you have to do all this. Uh, I myself have had experience dealing with these people, as you know. Uh, and uh, give an example. And I could give you many. Uh, yesterday after the program, we got a phone call from a cable news network. And they wanted to take five seconds of what I said about the Ann Coulter kerfuffle and use it all afternoon and all night last night. Now, I spoke for 14 minutes on the Ann Coulter kerfuffle. And the five seconds they wanted to take was totally out of context and was uh, uh, irrelevant. But it fit their preconceived notion and prejudice about what the whole Ann Coulter thing was about. Five seconds out of 14 minutes. The same thing happened with the Michael J. Fox. That people say, well, how come you don't go on these places and get your side of it out? Why don't you go and explain yourself? Well, I've learned that, that that's not what happens. Well, we denied permission for them to use the five seconds that they wanted to use yesterday. I don't know if they ended up trying to use it anyway. I didn't, I didn't, didn't watch. Uh, I didn't get any email. Normally when I appear on a cable news network somewhere, somebody sends me an email. Rush, rush, rush. I saw you on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox this afternoon. I didn't get any of that. But um, I don't talk to them much <clears throat> because uh, here's an example. I'll give you another example. A New Yorker, uh, Jane Mayer, who, uh, with Jill Abramson, who is the bureau chief of the New York Times, Washington, I think, uh, wrote a book about Clarence Thomas and just smeared the guy. And she was uh, going to do a story in the New Yorker about 24 and uh, so forth. And uh, it was going to be uh, basically a, a profile of Joel Cerno. And I, I was uh, told that she wanted to talk to me about this because she knew that I was a friend of Cerno's. So uh, <clears throat> I, I called some people who had already talked to her and found out that, that basically it was a story on how the program uh, 24 is promoting torture and it's just going to be a treatise on torture. So I called her into those circuits knowing what this was about. And I talked to her for about 20 minutes. And the first 15... Uh, were purely social. Uh, I'd been on a TV show with her once, but way, 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 way back, Bob Beckel hosted a local TV show in Washington, a panel show, i.e. the McLaughlin Group, like that, and I'd, I'd appeared on the show with her, and she remembered that. And uh, <clears throat> and I have a good memory. I remembered that she had to hustle out of there and go play tennis, and I reminded her of that, and she was, oh, wow, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right about it. And she just congratulated me on all my success, how wonderful it all was, uh, blah, 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 talking about, understand you're friends with Joel, understand he had a party at your house for him. Um, she, was, um, she was in the mall with her daughter, shopping on her cell phone, wasn't taking any notes, and then starts asking me about torture. You know, the last five minutes, well, last five minutes of what she really wanted my thoughts on, and all this other stuff was, you know, just uh, just set up. Knowing full well that it was about torture, I... I you know, did my best, and I was honest, but I did my best to tell her, I think, you know, you're barking up a tree here that, that's that got no branches on it. But that's just, the, the, the story was written before it was published, is uh, is the point. So uh, what, I, what I can't figure out is why other people are not as, I'm not trying to give myself credit, this has been learned by experience. There's no great insight of mine. I look at, I got I got sandbagged, I can't tell you how many times the first five years of this show, thinking you could be nice, fair, and just be honest, and they will, they will report what you say. It's, it's not that way with us. This, it doesn't happen. That, so 
why other people don't figure this out. This is why I get so fed up when I see some of my conservative brethren in the D.C. media trying to curry favor with the drive-by media. It's why I get so bent out of shape when I see potential Republican candidates and elected officials trying to make the media their best friends. Uh, because it's it, it's it's all temporary, even if it works for a while. It's only going to come back and the media is going to end up stabbing you. Ask Senator McCain. Uh, you know, they're dumping on him after him being their favorite Republican for four years. And it's why it irritates me when elected Republicans go on Sunday shows and trash their own party and their own president just to curry favor with these people. But in this case, you have the administration talking to them, and they have to talk to them. But to think that there was a chance that the administrations, especially on this subject, the war in Iraq, uh, there's just a different way to approach him. You know, approach him, you know, they walk in the office or you meet him for lunch or whatever, and, and just, I know why you're here, Mr. Reporter. You're here to sandbag the administration. You're here to do us wrong. You're here to lie about us, blah, blah, blah. Put him on the defensive. Uh, and uh, the last thing they want is for you to peg him. The last thing they want is for you to be able to know and, and say what they're going to do and then have them do it. It, it, it. it has worked for me in the past, but I don't even find it interesting enough to have time to do it anymore. But why this administration thinks that they can sit down and talk to these people and they're going to get a fair shake, uh, beyond me.